All right, Power Plugs. I don't know if you're ready. I really don't know if you're ready. I really don't know if you understand what's about to happen. Our next guest is a true compassionate leader and catalyst for positive change. First becoming a registered nurse after noticing a trend of health struggles within herself, her family, and her community. And second, digging deeper, she felt her nursing degree alone wasn't enough to help fix her main area of concern, looking and not finding a voice to speak for those who suffer in silence. She continued her educational journey to become that voice for human rights to address and social justice to bring sugar awareness to communities of color. Today we have with us Sean Foreman in the power plant. How you living? I'm great. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, after the intro. So thank you. Thank you for the intro. I'm honored yeah. to be a guest. You know, this is an honor for me. Complete. We are honored to have you. So let's get plugged in. So we have been charged with two things. One, the discovery of our gift and to the responsibility of sharing that gift with the world. And right now, there's someone who's buried underneath the weight of a false narrative they believe about themselves, and they're gonna see this, and they're gonna know I can relate to her story because she is from where I am at, and I'm not talking about a geographical location, I'm talking about a mindset and a set of circumstances. And they are going to see you and know that she successfully navigated her way out of a place that I currently can't see my way out of. So Shun Foreman, this is your hour to amp the people up with the power of your story. Let's electrify them. All right, let's do it. All right. So knowing what you know now, what would you tell the 18-year-old version of yourself? And would you be so kind as to give us a glimpse of what was going on in that young woman's life? Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, I, you know, the biggest thing is I'm from East Texas. Uh, and I think um, just part of who I am uh, and who I, I know that I am, you know, is this little girl who... Um, had two older brothers, and they were very protective. Uh, great mom, great dad. Um, I don't want to say that we lived in a life that um, we struggled because I didn't think it was a struggle at the time. I think I had everything I needed at that time and and a few of the things that I wanted. So I feel like I was very fortunate in the way that I had support and love. Um, I grew up... Uh, you know, being the only girl sort of put me in a, a different uh, light, I think, in my dad's eyes and also my mom's eyes. So I, I had the opportunity of sort of being uh, um, what I call uh, a mommy's girl and um, a daddy's, you know, a daddy's girl, too. So I had the, you know, I had the privilege of both. But what I what I notice now is like what I when I see that little girl back uh, uh, now, what I see in her is. Um, she was really um, 
allowed to see what community service looked like because that's what her mom did. On the weekends, um, you know, my mom was the kind of person who literally would check on the older people in, in the community, whether they were family members or not. Um, she was just, just that woman. And so, but that also um, led to other things like uh, funeral planning, going to nursing homes and funeral homes and helping people uh, wherever the need was at the time. Wow. So um, I really didn't uh, understand like that, that part of me and like where compassion came from until I started looking a little bit more into my life and saying, wow, you know, really the first nurse I saw was my mom. Wow. And um, the biggest thing about this was, um, you know, when you're interacting with people who are other than yourself and other than your peer age, you have to pick up on uh, cues and older people who were in pain may not tell you that they're in pain, but right. you notice things like facial expression or grimaces or, you know, when they would point to things instead of asking that those were things that I know now I'm like, they, I see them and I can spot pain like a mile away, you know? And so um, I think that that was the type of thing that kind of helped build the foundation for who I am as far as a compassionate person. Um, the other part of me I kind of look at is this young girl who um, was a tomboy, straight up tomboy. But in those moments when I couldn't do what my brothers were doing, I was clearly in a space where I was um, able to connect with myself and, um, and reflect on things. Uh, and one of the things that I really enjoyed doing when I was a younger girl was I had baby dolls. And uh, I would I would line those baby dolls up and and literally like teach them and to the point to where uh, I would make their assignments. I would hand their papers out to them. I'd had red pens. I'd mark the yeah. paper wrong. Um, the kids who were struggling, they would have to stay out, uh, you know, behind, you know, in class. And I would tutor them. So what I know now is like this world of the imagination was free flowing for me. And wow. it was that I did not recognize as a strength until later on. So the, the, the compassionate world and the education world, those two worlds collided one day. And I remember the day when one of my baby dolls got sick. And I, I literally like to say she got sick. I noticed something about that particular baby doll and she was sick. And um, my, uh, my thought at that time was literally like, just treat her like you see the older people in the hospital. If she's sick, treat her like she's sick. And so um, I got like a little uh, Ziploc baggie and I um, put it like put some water in it. It was half full and I got a piece of tape and I taped it up to the bed post and I used uh, a needle and a thread and uh, I put the needle into the baby's arm. Wow. Yes. Yes, yes, I did. And so and I think about that time I may have been six or seven. Um, and so I taped that the the thread up to the up to the the Ziploc baggie, and in my brain that was my way of giving her an IV. So I like to say I started my first IV when I was about um, the age of six or seven. 
But the important piece of that to me is, um, you know, I always can remember like my mom's expression when she walked into the room and saw me doing that. But uh, the biggest thing is that um, I remember her looking at me and looking at the baby doll and then literally just turning and walking away. In my brain now, I'm like, what a power move by a mom, you know, because I'm just like, think like when I see my kids now, I'm thinking about how I interfere with whatever processes they've got going in their brain. And I probably would have asked, like, what are you doing? You know, or but she did not say a word. And that, that then sort of gave me the permission to do these things that, um, Really, only the imagination could take me at that time. My that imagination. Power right there. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I, I just so appreciate, um, you know, like that moment and, yeah. and time and where, you know, my, my parent didn't interfere with wow. me processing the world and, and putting the pieces together myself. Um, so that that is that's that's a piece of who I am, and um, when I kind of kind of speed up, you know, this whole thing and like, who am I today? I kind of think back a lot on like, what did we eat, you know? Um, and so I think I ate like most kids in the in the seventies and eighties, which was we had uh, a protein. And usually you're going to have a starch on the side and another starch, probably, you know, right. and what uh, what is so strange is like if, if I had corn, well, I'd put sugar on the corn. And if I had, um, you know, sometimes you got uh, parents that put sugar on your green beans and definitely if you had rice. You know, I'm I'm from the south, like I said. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm putting rice on, you know, sugar on my rice. So I think about, you know, that thing, you know, the compassion and the imagination, and then sort of, you know, my information, how I looked at sugar at that time, is that's a part of me. And the other other part is like, how did like sugar sort of become like a reward, you know? Uh, my dad is a self-employed at that time. He was a self-employed rose grower. So we, I don't, I like to say I used to go out into the rose field because they always used to say you were never much help <laughs> because I, just, <laughs> I didn't like it. I was like, I didn't know, but my brothers were good um, and they knew how to grow roses. I think I was just out there because they didn't have anything else to do with me in the summertime. But, but one of the things that, um, that, that uh, we would do, and he would always say, in in a way that was very loving, that you know, basically at the end of the day, you can get some zuzus. And zuzus back then for us were like um, basically going to the, the the corner store and just getting junk food. Okay. So, and so, um, but I think about that and how those things sort of like inform who I am today. You know, in and especially when I look at my life through the lens of sugar and saying, you know, oh, wow, I remember being rewarded. I remember my favorite drink, you know, being a Dr. Pepper in that bag of Doritos, you know. Um, I remember how I was able to flourish as a young girl in, in East Texas town and being allowed to have the imagination and 
and also to learn different things that that some kids probably didn't have the opportunity to learn. So um, I guess that's kind of like, you know, when I when I think about uh, who I am and where I'm from, uh-huh. you know, um, that that's kind of it. So my 18 year old self, you know, when I put the spotlight on her, um, you know what, I think she was really I don't. 18 is, you know, you are so trying to get out of the house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just don't know. Like, you don't know what you're doing. I, I, I do remember thinking, like, I, I know I want to go to college. Uh, and uh, my mom sort of gave me the option, like, college, you want to try to go to college or you want to get a job. So that 18-year-old probably was just, I, I went to school for chemical engineering. That was my first uh, thought that I was going to have a degree in chemical engineering. Okay. And I did not did not complete that degree. But even back then, when I think about what I was trying to do was I was just thinking about ways that chemicals could impact our lives and make our lives better. You know, wow. so that 18 year old, I probably would have just said, um, try to root yourself in something that is more about where you're from. Oh, all right. Like, so, so, and this is me knowing me now, like, yeah, yeah. If you're from, if you're from a place where you see that people are dying prematurely or they have diabetes or then yes, go and be a chemical engineer, but Try to see how chemical engineering can can play a role into saving lives. Ooh. So I think that's what I would have done. And then especially knowing so much about the history, I definitely would have said, go to your relatives and ask them all the questions. Any question. Come on. Like ask them any question. Cause I just think there's so many questions that I wish I could have asked my grandmother, my great grandmother. And so I just wish I would have taken the time to ask those, ask any question, you know, like my great grandmother had a lot of kids like, Granny, why did you have so many kids? Right. How did you make it with all these kids? You know, right. So I wish I would have done that more. And I wish, you know, for, for any 18 year old that's listening, that's what, that's where because you're going to find yourself at a point one day where you're going to have a lot of questions, but Woo. no answers, right? No, no support, and and a lot of things we kind of just need to know, like what they're rooted in. Like if my grandmother had ten kids, I just need to know what 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 is that rooted in? Was it rooted right. in love? Was it rooted in um, survival? Yeah. What, what was it rooted in? So um, I think I think that's what I would have told my 18 year old self. That is so much that that you just put like, I love the stories and I love the result of that powerful answer being rooted in where you're from. And just to think about what you said about what your your father did growing roses and the whole 
root being rooted. Ah, oh, this is taking me out, y'all. Wow. Okay, I'm not gonna get caught up because I can. That was power. Um, I think you've answered this question, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. Can you tell us the story of how you discovered the gift that lives within you? Oh, yes. Oh, so the weird thing is, you know, I think we we tend to, for me, I will say that I've always tended to gravitate around things that I, they were like two steps ahead of me, like where I was. So for example, like, you know, when people would talk about like gratitude and I'm like, or yoga or retreats, my brain at at the moments that sometimes I was going to towards those things, I wasn't ready for it. But what I noticed now was ready for positivity. I was always sort of saying it's okay to be uh, to move out of your comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So I think that. Um, Nursing has a way of doing that because every patient that you, when you walk into their room, I like to say it's their room in the hospital, uh, you you realize that you're connecting with an energy and a, a, a person that could be here now and not within the next hour, you know? True. And then so when those worlds sort of kind of merged for me, and I'd like to say maybe, you know, it's early years in my in my nursing career where I realized that, uh, gosh, this is so hard to say. I, I really hadn't thought about it, <laughs> but it's hard to say, but like, no matter what, like, I feel like Black people are dying prematurely yes and when i see that you know for black men who are um struggling to survive police brutality or diabetes or cancer and so that same thing i think i was seeing in the healthcare setting so i i've always sort of thought of life in like how do we prevent ourselves from becoming a statistic like like that's what i say so much in my household is like wow how do we wow. prevent becoming a statistic because that's right. what it is at the end of the day it's like so um and i i, I had to go back to trayvon martin okay i was listening to a radio station at the time and uh the uh, the radio station that the he would always say and it was Joe Madison's the Black Eagle he would always say what are you gonna do about it mm. and I'm like you know I I don't like to fight and protesting right. is not my thing you know so like how do I do this with compassion how do I you know pull yeah. education imagination. How do I do all of that and then yet still see things and then try to go towards like what I was thinking at the time was like justice. And so I went to school to um, go back to school, SMU, um, for human rights and social justice. And I was just like, every class I'm going to take, I'm just going to look at it 
I'm going to receive the information, but see how it applies to healthcare. Ooh. How does this apply to healthcare? So yeah. when I was thinking, of course, on the Holocaust, like how does that apply? Well, there was so many, <laughs> so many rights that were violated in healthcare when you study right. the Holocaust that you're just like, oh my gosh, you know. And so even um, ethics. So when you look at ethics and biomedical ethics, it's easy to put those two hand in hand. So women's rights, it's all, you know. So um, I was really fortunate to go through this program and then have an opportunity to do a thesis at the end. Okay. But thesis was to me um, buying me some more time because I, I truly love school. Like I love uh, going to school. I love the courses. Um, if, if I had a choice right now, I'd be there right now. Uh, just because the information was always fascinating how evil and great we can be as humans. Right. So um, I, I started thinking like, oh, okay, I'm going to do like a paper on or a thesis on um, diabetes and black people. Because that's kind of what I, you know, I'm like, I'm a nurse. It would be easy, you know, right? And and the weird thing is, yes, it was easy, and yes, all the articles had already been written. So if I it was if I was thinking about it, I was like, let me let me pull up this. What about this topic? What about this? Okay, those papers were already. Point that I received from that was that, listen, there are no more discussions that need to be had about diabetes in Black people. Okay. Okay, so I just said, well, what can I pull out of this? And I, that's where I started to pull up sugar. Sugar is the root. It's the root cause. The root. Come on so, now. So then when I looked at, okay, sugar is the root cause, then how do I, as a Black woman, yeah, look at sugar? And fortunately, I read uh, Dr. Joy DeGruy's book, uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome and her book like there are so many things about her book that's for i think just people of color but one of the biggest things that i got from the book was that if you have any problem within your family within a community don't just look at it look at where it came from so if you if you can take it to your your dad and your mom, and then it stops there. And then you say, okay, well, my mom and my dad had it, and I have it too. Right, but if right. You, you can go to your great grandparents. And then if you can take that baby all the way out to slavery, mm. then, then you, you've got something and you're looking at where black people, what what's the story? Yeah. So and that's what I tried to do with sugar and African-American bodies. I'm just like, I just want to know. And so, in doing that, uh, and sort of now you've kind of figured out that I'm a touchy feely kind of got to learn it that way. Um, we were, I was fortunate enough to reach out to uh, one of the local historians down in Sugarland, Texas, and he just, Mr. Reginald Moore was, he was just a wealth of knowledge, but he also told me like, if you're really interested, you can come to Sugarland, and I will show you things, and I will tell you Ooh. things. And, you know, I'm like field trips that my mom used to take me on, right? This kind of, like, let's go. Let's Baby, can you take me to Sugarland? So we go down to Sugarland and uh, I, you know, there's so much about that. Mr. Moore has passed away now, 
but there was so much about the the trip uh, that is personal to me because to me, you know, it's like when I think about him and what he's done for uh, the Sugarland '95. Um, for one, he exposed history, but the other part too is when he told me that um, young lady, he said I had not connected sugar to my health. He had connected it to convict leasing. Okay. Hadn't connected it to my health. And he said, you need to keep doing what you're doing. Now, when I think back to him saying that, I don't know. I guess I'm just more. Uh, it makes me reflect on like the moment that my mom did not interfere with my process. Yes. Imagination. Like what would have happened had Mr. Moore not said that? Right. I, I don't know. I, I still don't think, I think it just would have been a paper. I would have been done. Right. Cause there's enough in the books to say, I know enough about sugar and the African-American history. Right. So to take it one step further, I was like, I've never been to a plantation before. Okay. <laughs> so let's just see how, if I can do this. Like, let me just go down to um, New Orleans near the plant. There are several plantations, sugar plantations down there. And let's see what, what happens. Wow. And, uh, you know, the only thing I can say about that is what happens when you're when you're standing on something that you know, like you know that the bodies are gone, you Come know that there was a struggle. Yeah. You you know that there were mosquitoes. You know that they had to try to figure out how to survive through hurricanes back then. Uh. You know that there were snakes. You know that doing the work was hard and they died within two to five years come on Heat stroke you so there's something that happens to you when you're standing in place and that's why i always say like if i could tell my younger self you better root yourself in what you're standing on come on now so i think that when i think about that you know it's like okay I'm done with the thesis. I, I'm done with school. Okay, now what? Right, <laughs> right. And the and the now what is like, there is no way in hell I'm done with sugar. Like at, at that point, I was already, sugar was in my vocabulary every day for two years, you know, right. at that point. So the next point was to continue education. And so that's when I said, um, uh, I'm going to make sure that I uh, go for a certification to try to figure this thing out a little bit more. By that time, before even taking the certification, I lost maybe, I think about 20 or 30 pounds. And so I had already made the connection and started, you know, just saying, I'm looking at sugar. Um, right. I definitely have a problem with it. <laughs> you know, right. when I think about, you know, um, the struggle of black people, uh, the fact that, you know, when they look at uh, African-American bodies uh, of the 12 million or so that were forced into slavery, 70 percent of those African bodies went into sugar colonies. Mm. 
you start to think about like, wow, where where did I come from? So I'd already I'd already pushed sugar to the side, and then with the additional certification that took one year, um, that's when I was like, oh wow, like <laughs> sugar is addictive. It's addictive, and like. So yeah, we got a problem. And so, but then I also started to learn a little bit more about um, looking at sugar in its different forms. Like, cause exactly. we're so accustomed to calling sugar what it is, you know, table sugar. Right. But it's really a bigger picture in saying that sugar is, it's carbohydrates that are broken down into your body. So um, with that, I'll say with that knowledge, then I said, okay, I started applying the knowledge. And then that's when you see the additional 30 pounds come off, like nothing with no exercise, no nothing. Just, so we're looking at, you know, about a 60 pound difference, uh, just, wow. with, just, just learning. So here's the thing. <laughs> it's like Up my mind right now. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much, but no, 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 don't apologize. I'm loving every second of this. I'm trying to process. Wow. Just, just keep going. Oh my. So, so the, the biggest, um, problem that I think a lot of people have is when you get some information, okay. It works on you and your husband because my husband's 80 pounds down, right? Come on now. What do you do with it? You know, because at this point, you're like, uh, uh, you know, I could keep it and it could be my little secret and nobody knows. You know, they'll just always wonder, you know, how is Shun able to do, you know, why does she have so much energy? How did she go through the pandemic and not get sick? You know, like, you know, oh, my gosh, she was borderline this and now she's not. So I could, but then I started, you know, the reason why I know the information is because I went to school because I had a problem with what I was seeing with black and brown bodies. So let's do this. Let's share this as awareness. It's sugar awareness. So that can I, I just can I just say there's so many generational curse breaking principles that you just uncovered right there power plugs if you're listening just just pause for a second and think about what this leader of ours just said she found the information she processed it she took it to her roots, to her core. She didn't stop there. She applied the knowledge to her own life first, saw the results, and then shared it with the world. Are y'all hearing this process? Because I think that one of the problems, one of the issues is if we take it to the point of self-discovery and we take it to the point of of benefiting from what it is that we've been blessed to receive 
that at most times it stops right there. And that is the part that must be eradicated because that's what changes everyone's life. When you become selfless enough, like, again, I'm going to continue to call you a leader because that's what you are. That's what differentiates the issues of the past with changing the narrative of the future. And God bless you for what you just shared with us just in, and we're not even done, just in asking how you discover the gift that lives within you. God almighty, that right there. Okay, all right. So were you finished answering that question or was there more because like, please, if there is, I'm I here for it. I think just going back to finding purpose, uh, it should be a question every day. Like if you don't know what it is, then it should be a question that you ask yourself every day because you're going to lead up to it. And especially mm. if you're asking yourself that question. But I think knowing what I know now, I thought like, because I used to ask myself, you know, like I, in the Purpose Driven Life and all that, I, I read those books. I, I, I thought I understood it at the time. It's like, oh, your purpose doesn't have to be as big as you. I mean, like back in the day, I think my purpose would have been like, oh, maybe I want a school that's in, you know, has my name on it. No, your purpose can actually be very, very simple. <laughs> like once you realize what you do, like, so, so when I think about like what my purpose is, is I love connecting things and making connections. So when I, when I walk into a room now, like, oh, like I don't have to be best dressed. That's not what I did. That, that's not my purpose. Come on now. I don't have to be rich. I don't have to be tall. I don't have to be skinny. I just want to walk in the room in my purpose. When I walk in the room in my purpose, guess what? That doesn't even apply to being in Tyler, Texas. That applies. You can drop me in the middle of Zimbabwe. And Come on now. I am going to be in my purpose, which is I'm going to make connections and connect people. So, and that's it. Like I, I just think about like purpose is so simple. If you find that one word that you could do anywhere in the world, anywhere, right. what's your purpose? If y'all are not listening, like receive these gems because she is, she's throwing them at you. She's throwing them at you. Come on and catch them. What? Okay, so can you tell us the story of when and how you discovered you had a responsibility to share that gift with the world? I think that was pretty clear. Um, after figuring out like what worked for my body, what worked for my husband's body, um, and knowing that it wasn't that difficult, you know, like I think sometimes when you, when we, try to explain things if if you can't get it to a point to where it's really simple then it is difficult to share um but if i can tell you that sugar awareness like listen if you read a label if you set some guidelines and boundaries about how much sugar you're going to put then and that's all i'm telling people 
I didn't say that they had to know all the chemicals. I just said, look, look for some of these chemicals that we know are sugar. So, and so it's simple, like literally it, it's something that could be taught to anyone. It's something that, so when I figured out that it could be that as simple as that and just eating whole foods, then like, that's when I figured out, like, I've, I've got to share it. I've okay. got to do it. So it, it, it wouldn't make sense not to, and especially if I am, you know, we go back to like being a nurse first, do no harm and all, you know, all those things that you hear, you know, if you're really in the business of saving lives, then you're really going to help, you know, you're really, it's, it's really about prevention, you know? So, and I, I guess the big thing too, is like, if, just knowing that wisdom does work for some people. Like, not everybody has to go through something really, really hard to get the lesson. So, come on now. For those that want to receive it, give it. Yeah. For those that don't, then they may need something a little bit more structure or a little bit more time or to hit rock bottom. Right. Because everybody learns different. That's right. But so I, I just think that at the point where I figured out like how to use the purpose was just when I figured out it was easy. You know, it's like you, you don't share things that uh, I mean, you will you, you you need to share things that really are going to help people. Right. Like, that's like if, you know, we just had floods not too long ago. If you know that that road is flooded down there, you have to tell somebody, listen, don't go that way because the road is flooded. That's come on my responsibility see that's beautiful and and i want you to know that that is that is a gift because a lot of times things that come natural to us we don't understand our gifts because a lot of people will yeah the road's flooded but they're only concerned about themselves and they they don't see that 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 or feel that responsibility to help someone else it's not unfortunately it is not something that comes natural to everyone and that's what again differentiates a leader from someone else it is taking that responsibility to do the work and i applaud you i applaud you for it this isn't one of the regular questions but if you could fill in the blank because a lot of people don't know what the sugarland 95 they don't understand they don't know who they are could you just fill us in a little bit absolutely so um i guess you know, i'll start with just you know saying it's a part of texas history that no not many of us were taught or knew about until recently um they were um Actually, it's a story. It's 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 not. It's a true story that's uh, predicated on the premise of understanding and learning about convict leasing in the state of Texas. So, convict leasing was known throughout the South, and it was something that um, states or um, third parties would uh, would they would get into a system that was connected with the penitentiary system. And then they would basically uh, use 
prisoners to do work. So that work, we have to think about the time period. Well, why do you need work? Well, after 1865 and uh, after, you know, in Texas a little bit later, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, once, we, once we received our freedom, then um, freedom meant a lot of different things for a lot of different people. So for the people who were plantation and slave holders, they had no more workers. So on the backside of it, and it didn't all happen overnight, um, the, the prison system was created to sort of um, get that labor back. To and so slavery. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. when you put convict leasing, convict leasing was basically a system that was designed to have people to do the work that was previously done um, by slaves. Um, so the Sugar Land 95 that we speak of um, are actually, um, it's in the county of Fort Bend. And uh, Fort Bend ISD was actually working to try to expand their um, administration building. And uh, upon the, the land work and excavation, they came across the, the graves of 95 bodies, mm -hmm. uh, 94 men, one woman, they think. And so uh, the biggest thing about that is um, had Mr. Reginald Moore, if he hadn't been there to, to uh, first of all, he knew he had worked maybe 20 years or so in, in learning about that history and knowing that they would come across some bodies and knowing about the, the area that they would find bodies. So once he knew that they came across the grave, then he got involved to serve and protect that area and to uh, make sure that they uh, worked on memorializing these the bodies. And so, um, you know, Sugarland 95 is Sugarland is not just called Sugarland for any just it's, it's a reason. Sugar. Okay. Okay. <laughs> when we look back to what Sugarland really ended up becoming was Imperial Sugar. So y'all paying attention? Imperial y'all paying attention? Yeah. So Imperial Sugar, if you march that back, then you'll look that uh, Fort, uh, they had several camps uh, that were before that. And then before that, it was plantation. So um, so that's that story that I'm talking about. You kind of have to figure out what you're rooted in and then take that story back. Because Imperial Sugar just didn't, you know, just didn't come up they didn't come up with the name for just no reason it didn't happen to be sugarland for no reason it there's a reason why and so when you go to sugarland today you'll see that it's a beautiful i mean like it is one of the most beautiful um towns that i think you could live in and a lot would have been um hidden or unknown uh had it not been for mr reginald moore so um, that's what Sugarland 95 is. I think you know you can Google the stories. Um, they they are they're fascinating uh, because um, not not only did they find bodies, but they found a lot of um, like the chains and and all of those things. And so it, it it's really a, a heavy topic, um, but it I think it hurts more because you know if you're from Texas and you've been educated 
I'd like to say very well in the state of Texas. Um, and if your narrative that you've always thought about, about Texas and slavery was cotton, you you never think like sugar. Right, right. Like, where did this whole sugar topic come in? Like, so it, it really kind of blows my mind, you know, when I think about um, how much we just don't know. And that's why I say, if I would talk to my 18 year old self, I'm like, girl, figure out where you are, figure out why they named that store that, why is the street doing that, you know? Right. So and and that's that's kind of why how why I feel that way. I just wanna I just wanna something that just hit me is you said that you if you would go back and tell your eighteen year old self speak to your great grandmother speak to these people, and then in your adult life you got a chance to speak to one of your elders who did exactly that for you. And he he shared that knowledge, and you took it, and he inspired you to take it to another level because of what you uniquely added with your gifts. He saw something, a connection, because you yourself said that your your purpose is to make connections, and then. It, it all fits together like a puzzle. And it is such an honor and a blessing to hear you share this message with everybody. That, uh, okay, all right. So how did you make belief reality? Ooh, so the weird thing is, uh, my husband is also uh, my high school sweetheart. I love that. So when we talk about like truth, like he knows me, <laughs> like, you know. And so the, the one thing I struggled with, um, I struggle with today even is like, you know, talking out in public and uh, sort of just social media and all of that. Um, and so he told me one day, and this, this kind of hit hard because just like, he said, you know what, you're the only person I know that like literally wants to scrimmage all the time. Like, when are you gonna play? Oh. And I, was like, I said, what do you mean? Like, he said, girl, he's like, you, you got all of this knowledge, all of this information you know, like, when are you going to play the game? And the game that we can talk about today is like getting out um, and, you know, into on these platforms. So yeah. because what stopped me was my imagination had at least taken me to like, okay, I already knew like sugar mode off. I wanted to, to do that. I wanted to spread the message. I knew what I wanted to share. But the pandemic shut all that down. Yeah. So, I mean, it it was pretty clear. Like, I wanted to be in the beauty shops, barbershops, the churches on Saturdays, talking to the choir, you know. Right. Um, so, but, but when all of that stopped, uh, then he was like, <laughs> you know, 
you still you still basically are supposed to play the game, even though you know yeah. the weather's bad. You know, right? Uh, so that's that that was the push into going into social media and sort of like, okay, let's do uh, the Facebook group and um, build a community, the Sisters Breaking the Bonds uh, of Sugar. Um, that community now is up to about uh, 830 women uh, wow. and our allies. And so I just share information within that community and then also Sugar Mode Off and then uh, just, you know, doing a few things with Instagram. And so once the pandemic kind of slowed down a little bit, I've been able to do some of the things that I wanted to do in the beginning, which is to go to churches, you know, and, and talk to people like that's the easiest thing in the world to do, because I feel like um, building those relationships and and, and uh, you know, showing up and being present yeah. is so important for our community, you know, um, because we don't need another face. We don't need another fad. We don't need to be a part of a trend. Come we on need, now. We need to know the things that we are rooted in, root ourselves in better food that's you know that's it and knowing the rules so um i think but but i will say too like the anxiety and the fear and the self-doubt and the negative self-talk all of that was very heavy when i was on sugar like a lot of sugar like that that the shun that we have now like um, anxiety, all of that, I, I may have a little, but it's like, it's not going to stop me. And I'm not going to do self-sabotage and all of that. Wow. You know, if so, so all of those things and the freedom that comes with um, just giving up sugar uh, and not totally, y'all, we can talk about that later. Not right. completely. You can still have um, some as far as like fruits. That's, that's, I still do fruit. So, um, but yeah, I think all of that had to do with the chemical part of my brain, right? Wow. The chemical part, because there's we always think about just our bodies and kind of like our experiences that, yeah. that make us that and the chemical. There's a chemical part of us, of our being. So and that sugar thing is, is something that uh, it controls you versus you controlling it. That's power. Okay, so I'm I just understanding what you're saying in different aspects. You know, sometimes we speak on on a surface level about very deep things, and to find out in order for you to make belief reality in your own life. It wasn't that you had to add something to yourself rather than take something away that was preventing the growth that that was within already. And that is a powerful, if you all don't learn anything else from this discussion, which there's plenty to learn from, that right there about you are who you are but there's things that we've put on that cover up and hide and and prevent the real you from coming out you wow i'm it doesn't take it takes a lot for me to 
to be tongue-tied and, and speechless. But that was powerful right there. Thank you so much. Okay, so I just want to share just how spectacular this moment is for me to have you on the show and to get to know you as an individual. And I can I do you have time for me to share this real quick? I got it all the time. This is your day. This is B Green's day. <laughs> Again, it ain't about me. It's about shining the light on our honored guest. But I just want to just share this. Me and my wife were sitting on the couch the night before. My wife was like, babe, I found this show. And you have to see this show. It's about food, but in a different twist to it. And there's this episode that I'm not even going to tell you about just when you come home in the morning, when you wake up and get it together, we need to watch this show. I'm not even going to name the show. I want you to do that in a second. And if you'll, if you'll be so kind as to share that with us, I came home the next day, turned on the TV and we watched this show and it was about the evils of sugar and the dark history between our people and it. And this wonderful, powerful leader that we all are seeing was on the show and she was sharing her story. And both my wife and I were mesmerized by not only her presence, but the fact that that she uncovered something that we were both struggling with, that we, different things that we have to learn our way out of. And just to know that we were watching a television show and the person that was on TV, we just simply reached out in support. And then now, She's on this show like this. This is monumental because you're you're a leader who is way ahead of her time. I, I'm not. I'm just telling you from from within what I notice, what I am aware of, and um, a part of of what my motto of everything that it is that I do is to bring awareness, inspiration, and motivation through the power of story. And you, Ms. Shun Foreman, are the epitome of all of those things. Um, so we were watching the show and I was blown away. If you'll just tell us about the show, the name of the show and how you got involved. That is, is so, uh, when I think about that, it's crazy. So first of all, let's put um, the Queen Viola Davis out there. You know, it, it literally is a project that um, she, it was like her, her, uh, her, her power and her presence and yeah. her resources that were able to make that all happen. Um, and, um, and the, uh, there, there was so much about this. So, so the name of it is Hungry for Answers. 
And um, so Caroline, who interviewed me, uh, she is powerful within herself. Like, there's pro- like if you can talk to her, like then we then we're all tuned in and we're all learning because um, she's a Harvard grad too. So um, she um, so amazing and powerful um, because she she pulls things out of you, like to make you talk, you know, about history, you know, I didn't even know what to say, but she was so cool about it. But, um, and then um, the, I'm trying to think of Grace, Grace Douglas was also one of the uh, producers, which they basically, Grace reached out to me and asked me uh, to do, just do a part uh, on the show. And um, you know, when I think about like the shy shun, you know, or the self-sabotage or the, like, there's no way I would have done anything like that. Wow. Like there, there is literally no way because um, I just wouldn't have been mentally prepared. I would have found a way to get out, to be sick, to something. Um, yeah. But, you know, you you are talking about it and just walking in your purpose there's the confidence that comes with walking in your purpose has more to do with the courage you know that it takes to just walk in your purpose like and so when i was asked to do the show it was just one of those things where i'm like you know there's so many things on social media and you're like and when you're new to it all it, it it does kind of seem fake that someone would reach out to you to ask you to do, you know, anything like that. So I, it was just a moment of, you know, honor and um, respect for for what people who, what they do behind film, you know, because yeah. we get to sit down in our homes and watch a show that's uh, well formatted, well edited, and um, it looks great, but, the work that they do behind the scenes is incredible to me. Um, but it's also just, um, it, it validated that I was doing things right. There you go. You know what I'm saying? Wow. If, if I can be six people away from Viola Davis, you know what I'm saying? That or, part. You know, or be interviewed by Caroline Williams. Um, yeah then something about me is showing up exactly how I wanted it to be. Yes. You know, like not with the high heels, not with, did, something is working. And the strange yes. thing when I think about all of the intentional things that I was doing in the past, like none of that worked, <laughs> you know, it, you okay. know, none of it. But somehow being me is, Perfect. Yes. 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 That it was just a whole. I don't know. It was. It. I. I don't know how to talk about it. I really don't because it was just one of those things. I think I'm still in awe. <laughs> like, wow. Like you really asked, and this is really isn't fake. You know. Um, right. This is really true. So it. I'm still. You know. Um, amazed just by the opportunity. You know, and here's the thing. Oftentimes we don't stay in awe of our blessings and it's a mistake. Mm. 
because we love to explain away the things that are higher and greater so that we can remain small when we're really not ever meant to be that. And that's me. Uh, <laughs> it is it is deep it is deep and and you find like you said be rooted in that thing mm-hmm. stay in awe of your blessing and be rooted and find out where that leads you ah oh, the power of what it is that you possess by allowing your gift to to come out and as your husband said, stop scrimmaging and playing the game. Ah, I love this. I love it. I love it. Okay, so you, you've you been wonderful to have shared your time with us. What would you like to share with the listeners about what's on your horizon and where they can interact with you um, in the online community or locally? So, uh, so the let me just start by just saying you can find me on Facebook and I'm at Shun Foreman. That's S H U N F O R E M A N. And um, the other thing is I'm also I have a Facebook page, the Sugar Mode Off. Um, if you are a woman of color or you uh, or what I call a woman of color or our allies, then I have a, a Facebook group um, that is called Sisters Breaking the Bonds of Sugar. And I think that should be reachable. You know, like if you if you just type in um, Sisters Breaking the Bonds of Sugar, you should see it. Um, if you can't, then ping me on the Shun Foreman, and then I will make sure I add you to the group. Um, I try to engage and keep discussions open uh, about sugar and our history and our health. I try to keep it simple. I think if you know me and you know me well, uh, I just try to do a good job of recycling the basics. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. So I really just try to keep the basics out there. Um, and then also on Instagram, uh, I'm Sugar Mode Off. So um, the biggest thing that I think is important to share with um, your listeners is that if you would like for me to come to your church, either virtually or if it's within uh, drive, um, I would love to do it. And um, remember, this is a passion for me. It is not something that I'm trying to get paid for. I actually have a job and I'm grateful for that. Um, But I don't think there's anything more important than sharing just sugar awareness in our communities. So I'm open, (laughs) you know, and um, and I'd just like to say that, you know, if you have questions, you can always um, email me too at sugarmodeoff at gmail.com. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to... uh, post uh, an image of all the uh, different, uh, the word, the different methods that they can get in touch with you and connect with you. Um, What about, one more question, is there a summit coming up? There is a summit, yes. So I, so wow, y'all, so talking about just kind of like, just staying in your lane, 
and sort of just being you. So um, there is a Kick Sugar Summit that starts on September 1st and it goes through the 8th and it is completely free. So these, there's like over 50 experts. And so the big thing about this summit is like, for one, you don't have to attend in person. Um, two, it is free for those eight days. Um, three, you can listen to it at work or on your way to work. Or, and this is just information to really kind of help build the foundation in what I call like the case against sugar. I okay. think it really does help us to hear like what sugar does to our bodies in different ways and to hear it from different people and hear from different perspectives. So you're talking about over 50 people who are um, or just going to talk about sugar, you know. So the big thing about this and, you know, because in this ties into your show. Um, I had done a couple of summits before and I really just kind of uh, let me just say that it was a really white community. And I just kind of okay. like, I really don't want to do it because I'm just like, you know, this is not my community. Like this is not right. aligned with what I'm trying to do. And right. just happened, um, the founder of Kick Sugar Summit asked me to co-host <laughs> the summit. Come on now. And not just that, but to invite people who I wanted to invite. So it goes back to that whole thing. And I think I'm just going to throw first lady, our old first lady, she's not old, but uh, Michelle Obama. I just remember her making a power move and like she brought her kids to work one day, you know, when she was doing her law work. But either way, I think it's just so important that we say no to things like that just don't work, you know, and, and you don't have to have an explanation. But it's also great to see things come back to where when people kind of are just listening to you or just wanting to know, like, well, would you be willing to do this if you can't do that? So I, it was one of the, it's, it's crazy to be a co-host on a summit this huge. It's crazy, you know, because it's just like, how do you know it? For one, we, we talk about who I could be, which is the shy shun, right? And right. anxiety and fear and doubt. But then guess what? Uh, I get to basically stay in my lane and make connections and interview yes. people. And, you know, so and and I also get to connect the people to my people, you know. There so you it, go. Just I like I, I don't know, y'all like this is. Um, Life is good when you're just staying in your lane. Yes, yes. Well, um, is there a way, because I just thought about when this uh, chapter of the podcast airs, it will be after the summit has taken place. So is there a way that they can get a hold of this information on the summit afterwards? Absolutely. Absolutely. I will keep the link up for a while um, within okay. my, uh, the sugar mode off. So I'll okay. keep it up there. I'll post it every week or so. That way it will, it'll be a feed. 
Um, but but like I said, you know, the, the biggest thing is just to um, if you really have questions and you can't attend the summit for any other reason, you can always ask me, DM me or email me. But the summit will be available even after the 8th of September. Okay. So just after the 8th, you'll have to pay for it. So gotcha. um, but but the big thing is if you have questions about sugar and your health and concerns about your health, uh, and if you've got a question and want to know if sugar is directly related to it, please feel free to reach out to me. It is something that literally I talk about every day and um, it's it's my life's work. You know, I, I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, but I think it's something that we should know, like if we can just know the the, the rules, the basics, I'm telling you be good. It's like learning how to budget, you know, yeah. once your budget you like okay i got it <laughs> my spreadsheet runs my world <laughs> there you go well on behalf of the power narrative and the power plugs myself my wife my family included we just want to thank you for sharing your story and we will get that message out there because if it just changes one person's life, it, it was worth it. And this, this is the power to be explain, exponential. So thank you again for being on the show, being so open to, you know, just like she said, when she said, if you have a question, Literally, that's how she's on the show because I had a question and that's what this led to. Thank you for being so gracious as to share yourself with us today. Uh, power plug, stay connected, be who you envision yourself to be and remember to check on your people. All right. Thanks again, everybody. Until next time, take care. Bye. Thank you.